morning, Revive Church. You guys excited? Um, we are in uh, a series called Soul Detox. If you've been here, we've talked about uh, kind of taking everything that's going on and, and, and kind of cleansing the soul. We've talked about the restless soul and, and handling anxiety. And we've talked about the heavy soul and, and, and look when you, you feel like you look at your past, your present, and your future, and there's no hope. And, and today we're going to be talking about the tortured soul. Um, do we have anybody in here that has maybe young kids or young family members and you like to pick on them? Anybody raise their hands? Okay, well, I do. Okay, so um, we actually had a conversation the other day at work, and I worked with several people. Um, some are from Jamaica, some ones from uh, England, and so there's, there's kind of expressions that, that we would talk about that they didn't recognize, and one of those was, say, uncle. Right. Have you guys ever ever heard a saying, uncle, right, where somebody starts to pick on you, maybe torture you a little bit, give you a noogie, and, and then and you have to, they'll, they'll keep going until you give in by saying uncle. And, and, and I tried to explain that phrase, and it was kind of lost in translation, but, but uh, I think that it gets it naturally, right? Because I think as an uncle, you have responsibility to pick on your nieces and nephews. Like you have a responsibility, it happened to me. I, I can remember uh, I was in like first grade and you're learning your vocabulary words and you have to write sentences using those vocabulary words, right? So this is my homework that I have to turn into my teacher and my uncle was helping me and he gets me to write sentences with vocabulary words about uh, drinking alcohol and chasing women. And uh, needless to say, I got home and I showed the homework to my mom and she was not happy and I had to do it all over again, right? So, so as, as a, and, and you know, since it's happened to me, I really feel a, a responsibility, a duty, if you will, to return the favor. And so I love to pick on uh, my nieces and nephews. And, and, and one of my favorite things to do is, is I, I, I'll get them, I'm a, you know, because they love magic, right? And so I get them to put their fingers together kind of like this. And I'm telling them I'm doing a magic trick, right? And as soon as they get their fingers together, I take my hand and I grab both of them, right? So now I've got one hand that has completely trapped them. They can't fight back. They can't run away. I control them. And then I go immediately for all of the pressure points, right? Like there's this this place on your shoulder where if you press, they just kind of crumble, right? And there's a spot right above the knee that you can squeeze and they'll squirm and try to pull away from you. You can squeeze the back of the calf. There's always the jab in the side, you know? And it's just so much fun to, to grab their hands, grab their fingers and torture them, right? And so today we're talking about the tortured soul. And what I kind of, the picture I want you to see is, is, is the tortured soul is the one that's been grabbed and trapped and they're getting pressure and all of the wrong places. They're getting hit in the shoulder, a jab in the side. They're being pressed from every direction and it seems like there's no way to get any kind of escape from that pressure, right? The tortured soul is, is the pressured soul. It's the soul that is, that is uh, persecuted. It's the soul that, that is perplexed. It's the soul that's that struck down, nowhere to go, no, no chance of improving the family life, of your social life, of the church life, whatever it is. And it's just, you've got all of this weight, all of this pressure coming at you from every direction. It's your responsibility to fix everything. And there's no relief in sight. That's the tortured soul. And, and today we're going to be looking at, at, at Paul's experience with this and, and seeing what he says. That if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and you can turn to 2 Corinthians. Uh, I'm going to be reading four through six, or chapter 4, verses 6 through 12. And uh, I think that, that Paul speaks directly to this. 
He speaks directly to the tortured soul, the one that can't get any relief, the one that's got every aspect of life, seems like it's all the responsibility is on you, and you're trapped, and you feel like there's no way to gain momentum. There's no way to get out of whatever this, this is that's pressing in on you. The tortured soul is the pressured soul. I'm going to start reading with, uh, with verse 5. And we're going to go through 12, and then we'll kind of stop and unpack it. It says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Listen to verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, and it's there to show that all of this surpassing power is from God, not from us. You see, we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also be revealed in our body. For we are alive and, and are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be also revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've preserved it for thousands of years. And that when we get in this place of, of pressure and a tortured soul, that we can always open your word and hear from you. We don't have to have any kind of special uh, potions. We don't have to have any kind of special uh, words that we have to say. All we have to do is open your word. And I pray today that as we study that, that you will speak to us and you will speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So there's a couple things I want to talk about with it. I'm actually, Dad, if you'll throw up, I have verses eight and nine kind of up here individually. And I kind of want to unpack these for a second because when we think about pressure and we think about the stress of life, we think that, that it's, it's this thing that we just want to go away, right? Like if we could just get it to go away, everything would be better, but if we look at verse eight, it says that we are hard pressed on every side. It says that, that we're not crushed, but we are perplexed, that we're persecuted and we're struck down, but we're not destroyed, we're not abandoned. So, so what I want us to realize is that Paul is, is a godly man. Paul is, he's doing what God's commanded him to do. He goes on these missionary journeys. He, he's seen all walks of life. He even talks about in some of his other letters how, how he's been on the mountaintop where life is going perfect but he's also been in the valley where it seems like everything is coming down against him. He knows what it's like to be rich, to be poor, to be sick and to be healthy. He knows what it's like to be thrown into prison and be set free. He knows all of those emotions and he spends his life dedicated to obedience to God. And guess what? He still experiences pressure. See, I think we get to this place where we wanna avoid pressure. We want to avoid the tortured soul. But what I want us to understand this morning is that pressure will happen. You're not going to escape from it. In fact, I heard one pastor say it like this, with privilege comes pressure. 
right? And we live in this place where we want the healthy marriage. We want the good relationship. We want good kids. We want a good career. We want to start that business. We want whatever it is. And when we get to this place where we want that, but we don't want the pressure that comes with it. I think about, honestly, in my own life, a, a story when in 2012 was a big year for me. Um, I had, uh, I was in basically a year into my first ministry job. I was working as a barista at Starbucks. I was uh, in my last semester of college, a full-time student. And then I also decided to propose to my then girlfriend and get married, right? And so you have all of this pressure on me in this season. And there's this night where it's just, it hit me and I just wanted relief. I didn't want all of the, the, I didn't want to be trapped under that weight. I didn't want the, the, this unending pressure points like the world was picking on me. I didn't want it anymore. I just wanted relief. And I can remember we're standing outside the, the apartments on our campus and, and we're beside this like big brick wall that's kind of housing the dumpster behind it. And, and Lauren and I are having this conversation and I just look at her and I'm like, look, I can't do this anymore. Here I am, I'm trying to graduate school, full-time student. I'm working two jobs. I'm working a full-time ministry job that's paying less than part-time. And now there's this responsibility of being an adequate, loving husband. And it's, it's hard. And I, I'm looking at her and, and she got, she's never seen me cry because I'm a man and we're tough and we're not supposed to cry right. And, and I've never shown any emotion to her. And I'm just weeping because in this moment, I'm getting hit in all of the pressure points and I'm beginning to fold and squirm away and I just want to get out of the pressure. I just want relief. Fast forward almost five years later and and I know it's not this way for everybody, but my marriage is absolutely incredible. I've gone through ups and downs and life has been hard, but the one thing that's always been constant in my life is Jesus and Lauren. And whenever things seem to to hit a wall and whenever I'm ready to give up and whenever I'm ready to quit, Lauren is there to encourage me. She she lifts me up, but she also challenges me and makes me a better man. And, And my marriage has brought me so much privilege and it has brought me so much blessing. But in that moment, if I would have chosen to give up, in that moment, if I would have said, I don't want the pressure anymore, then I would have been robbing myself of all of that blessing. What I want you to see today is that pressure is not a bad thing. Having this weight is not a bad thing. In fact, it usually means that you're trying to accomplish something worthwhile, right? If you're just sitting at home on the couch, not doing anything, there's not any pressure. But if you're trying to start a career, if you're trying to start a family, if you're trying to make a difference in in your community, there's gonna be added weight. There's gonna be pressure. And what I want you to know this morning is that pressure is not a sign that you're not living right. It's not a sign that you're not doing something right. In fact, it's usually a sign that you're doing something right. What I want you to know today is that a lot of times, a lot of times the reason we crumble under pressure is not because of what we have to handle, but because of how we are handling it. And honestly, pressure is relative. This torture is relative. I I can remember being in youth ministry and a 16-year-old goes through a breakup and their life is over, right? And they're done. They're absolutely destroyed because so-and-so dumped them. And it's easy for us to look at that person and say, look, 
It's not that big of a deal. You'll move on. You'll find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. It's gonna be okay, right? Because we've been there, right? We've all had that moment where we've sat in our room and we've blasted all American rejects for those that are about my age, right? Or maybe we've blamed it on the rain if you're a little bit older, okay? And so we've been in that place where we just want that relief and it seems like the pressure is destroying us. So, so what I wanna say is don't judge somebody else because, because they're struggling in an area that you don't struggle in. We all have different pressures and it's, it's like a tolerance that gets built up as we get older, as we go through certain aspects of life, but we all are in that place. We've all experienced those moments of great stress. We've all experienced those moments of great uncertainty where, we, where life just seems like it's too much. And what I want you to know today is there is hope and that the pressure isn't a bad thing. You know, they, they make these, there's uh, sayings that come out about pressure, right? And you've probably heard that pressure makes diamonds. And I, I'm not gonna go in that route because it's kind of cliche, but it's true. Like the pressure can make life good, but pressure can also make mistakes. And if you get to that place where you're, you're ready to give up, I, I just want you to know that, that that's okay. In fact, it, it's fair that you would say that because if we go back to those verses and we see where Paul is saying, hey, I'm, hard pressed, but not crushed. I've heard somebody refer to these as Paul's butt knots, right? He's got all of these things going on, but he's not crushed. He's not in despair. And this becomes these great verses of hope. I've seen them printed out and, and put taped on desk. I've seen them tattooed on people. I've seen these verses on coffee mugs and they become this great beacon. I've seen, I've heard them in songs where where people shout these verses that, you know what? I'm not crushed. I'm not destroyed. I'm not abandoned. And it's this great power moment. And I don't want to lose that. But what I do want to do is I want to take a step back and say, hey, if Paul's saying that I'm not crushed, he's saying that the pressure around him does have the ability to crush him. And, so, and, though, and though he's not in despair, what I want you to see today is that pressure will happen and it does have the ability, it can destroy you. And, and honestly, it probably should. I've seen it happen. When I think about pressure destroying something, there's this funny story. Okay, so, so uh, Lauren's grandfather, Hillis, is uh, 80 years old. So he's this awesome old Baptist pastor. He's incredible to talk to. Like, you just got to meet him. Some of you probably have, and he's an awesome guy. But he has this hobby slash habit that he's had his whole life where, where he crushes Coke cans, right? And it doesn't matter where he's at. It doesn't matter if he's at home or out of town. He crushes these cans and he saves them and he recycles them and he takes them and he gets like 47 cents for or maybe not even that much for each can, right? And so whenever you go over to her house in North Carolina, there's always a bag hanging on the door full of cans. He's just always done it. And he doesn't stop when you go on vacation. So this one time where they're all on vacation and, and uh, he, he's collecting all the cans. And if you've ever been on a family vacation, you know that there's always about 20 cans laying around that are like halfway full and, and not completely drank and they're just sitting around. So he's, he's like the can man and it's his job to crush these cans. And so when you go to the beach, there's a, kind of two people. There's the, the person that wakes up early, gets everything ready, packs the lunch and spends all day at the beach, comes home, comes back to the room, maybe takes a nap, goes to bed early. And then there's the person that sleeps till noon 
and uh, rolls out to the beach whenever they get there. And then they're usually out there for a few hours. They come back to the room and then they, they're out, they're up late, hanging out, you know, and you kind of have these two people. Well, well, Hillis is the first person. He wakes up early, kind of gets stuff going, gets things going. But on this t- particular vacation, he is surrounded by people that are the other type. And so it's like 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Everybody around, not just in our room, but in other rooms, is sleeping. And Hillis is out in the hallway crushing cans. <laughs> All right? And it's like every 30, 40 seconds, you just hear this, this stomp. And you're like, what in the world is going on? And sure enough, one day, <laughs> one day Hillis is up in the mo- early in the morning. He's crushing these cans. And you hear this nice neighborly fella come out of his room and with a very gentle, calm voice, that sarcasm yells with many explicitives saying, hey, old man, stop crushing those cans at eight o'clock in the morning, right? And so Hillis, being the great pastor man that he is, goes inside and starts dumping out all the cans that are half full and, and takes all them out and proceeds to to crush cans for another hour, right? right? But, but there's this picture, right? There's this picture of this old man, this 80-year-old man, picking up his, his legs and without much effort, crumbling can after can after can. Sides buckling out, the can's shape completely destroyed. And, and when I think about this pressure of life crushing us, I think about that picture, that it doesn't take much at all, just a little pressure from the top, just a stomp from an 80-year-old man, and our lives are in absolute ruin. And the pressure of life has that ability to do that to us. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to peers. I've seen it happen to friends. I think about a lady that, that I knew in college who, who just had all this pressure of life on her and the next thing you know she gets up and quits on her family and quits on her ministry and she just walks out of it all decides she's done with all of that I I personally know a a gentleman who 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 had all the pressure of everything going on in the world and he just looks at, at his family who from all sense of the word this was a a godly man I looked up to the way that he he led and lived inside of his family And one day he just wakes up and decides that the pressure is too great and it destroys everything around him. And he just walks out and quits on his wife, quits on his three kids and decides he's gonna do life the way he wants to do it. I've seen jobs, I've seen relationships crumble because the pressure of the world becomes so great, people give up on it. And if you think you're in a place where even though the pressure's there, that you can handle it all on your own, you cannot be more wrong because that pressure will happen and it does have the ability to destroy you. It will destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your career. It'll destroy your kids. It'll come in out of nowhere. And then before you know it, it's like somebody stepping on a can and the life as you knew it is over. But there's been kind of a theme in this series where we see the weight of the world and it doesn't have to be that way. See, when I think about my own life and and I think about situations and scenarios where I'm ready to throw in the towel and the pressure has become too much, it's because that pressure for me is pointing at something in my life. You see, the pressure 
while it can crush you, it does have a point. See, for me, oftentimes it points to pride. When I'm at a place where I'm ready to throw in the towel, it's because I'm trying to do it all on my own. And you know, the the scripture that we read didn't stop at verse eight and nine. It goes on to verse 10 where it says, we carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. A lot of times those things that we're going through, a lot of times that pressure and that pain and that torture that we feel is because there's something in your life and it's just trying to get you to look to Jesus. That pressure is pointing to Jesus saying, hey, you're not doing this on your own. It's it's awesome before we ever even get into this in verse seven, Paul's talking and he says that we have this treasure in jars of clay. There's this cool thing about jars jars of clay. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're extremely breakable, right? And oftentimes, if you look at old jars of clay, they're already broken. They're broken vessels. They've got cracks in them. And Paul is saying, hey, we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's saying, we are these broken vessels, but our worth doesn't come from our bodies. Our worth doesn't come from our broken souls. Our worth doesn't come from our brokenness. Our worth comes from what's inside of us. It's the treasure of Jesus Christ, his spirit living inside of us, giving us salvation, giving us hope. And that's how we're able to not be crushed. That's how we're able to not be abandoned, to not be destroyed, not because of anything that's around us, but because of what is inside of us. You see, it's, it's this, this picture. For me, it's, I, I, oftentimes I heard somebody say it like this, I forget that I'm not the power, I'm the pot. We're the broken clay jars, and we, and we think that we're the, the power that's inside of them. For me, I forget that, that it's, it's God inside of me. And I get to this place and instead of thinking about God being inside of me, I think that I am God. And I think that I can face this issue. I can face this problem. I can face the bills. I can face the trial on my own. But if you are trying this on your own, you will be crushed. Listen to me. So many of us are living with a tortured soul because we've taken the weight of the world and we've put it on our shoulders. We're carrying a cross that we don't have the strength to carry that's actually already been carried for us. See, we have a savior that died for us, a savior that's forgiven our sins, and all we have to do is accept him and ask him to come into our hearts, ask him to be be there for us, surrender our lives to him. And, And he allows this pressure on us, he allows this pressure on us so that we'll get to that point. We'll get to that point of complete brokenness and we'll say, I can't go on anymore. Jesus, I have to have you. And it's the greatest moment in your life when you get completely broken and you're ready to surrender because you're tired of handling all the pressure on your own. I wanna close with, a, with an illustration if, if you guys will let me do this. Um, I've got a couple of bottles here. I need, I need a volunteer. Anybody wanna volunteer for me? Lane, come on up here, Lane. I know I could count on you. I want you to do me a favor. With all of your strength, I want you to, to squeeze and crush that bottle. Go. That's impressive. Okay. Now I want you to do the same with that one. Squeeze it. No, crush it. What? What's wrong? You can't get it? Okay. Thank you, Lane. Everybody give Lane a hand. What I want you to see is that you can do life on your own, full of yourself full of your pride, full of your own strength, and you will be destroyed. Or you can live your life full of God's presence, where the pressure inside of you is greater than the pressure that is on you.
and you have the ability to live strong. You have the ability to not be crushed. You have the ability to not be abandoned. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what's inside of you. There's this moment that comes of of great surrender. This moment that comes from from living as as a jar of clay full of treasure. And and so, so here's the question. Here's the question. What's on the inside? What's on the inside? Are you full of yourself or are you full of God's presence? And you can know. You can know, you can have with certainty. Look, if you look at your life, look at the past five, 10 years, look at the last month. When you look at your history, do you see a relationship? Do you see a relationship? Because here's the deal. This salvation, this, this, this God inside of us is more than just a prayer at grandma's church when we're 10. You see, we serve a heavenly father and just like an earthly father that loves his kids, there's correction and there's discipline. When you look at your life, do you see the Holy Spirit convicting you? Do you see his discipline? There's a, there's a, there's a guidance. When you've made decisions in your past, do you see that God is guiding you and, and telling you where to go and what steps to take? When you look at your past, is there's this ever-present, ongoing, continually growing relationship with your heavenly father, You can know with certainty that God is inside of you by looking at your past. And and, and here's my guess. Here's my guess. If you can can answer no to that question, I haven't seen God move in my past. Or even if you would answer, you know what, I haven't seen him move in my life in a while. Then my guess is that you're probably in a place where the pressures of life are destroying you. So the question today is are you willing to surrender all of you, all of your heart, all of your presence, all of your life over to a heavenly father that wants to fill you and empower you and give you the strength to not only face the pressures and the tortures of this world, but to overcome them and reach those accomplishments and reach those dreams that he's given you. Greater is he that is in me than that that is in the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you for the power that you've given us. And I pray that as we're here today and as we go on from this place, Lord, that that we can know that you are with us and that if, if, if the pressures of this world, Lord, are coming down on us and we are being destroyed, Lord, that instead of throwing in the towel and giving up on everything, let us fall on our knees and cry out to you. I pray that we can know you better, that we can know you more intimately, that we can know you as a heavenly father, wrapping your arms around us, giving us the conviction and the guidance that we need. Holy Spirit, fill us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.